The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Every time a missile misses its target, a train derails, or a faulty airbag fails to save a life, we wonder whether these failures, which can sometimes reach catastrophic proportions, are caused by a counterfeit part that may have infiltrated the supply chain. Welcome to People to People, working together for your safety with host Stan Salat, Jr. Stan has the answers to your questions on protecting yourself and the safety of your loved ones, including your pets. Don't miss out. Now, here is Stan Salat. Hello and welcome to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is Earth Day. How green are we? Each year, Earth Day, April 22nd, the date of today's show actually, marks the anniversary of what many consider the birth of the modern environmental movement in 1970. According to Earth Day Network, the idea came from founder Gaylord Nelson, then a U.S. senator from Wisconsin. After witnessing the ravages of the 1969 massive oil spill in Santa Barbara, California, Inspired by the student anti-war movement, for which my guest and I remember too vividly, we realized that, he realized rather, that uh, he might accomplish what he might accomplish if he could infuse that energy with an emerging public consciousness about air quality and water pollution. As a result, on the 22nd of April, 1970, 20 million Americans took to the streets, parks, and auditoriums to demonstrate for a healthy, sustainable environment in massive coast-to-coast rallies. The fight for clean environment continues in a climate of increasing urgency. This week, my guest and longtime friend, Dennis Bradley, founder of Optimum Enterprises, And I will be discussing the innovative ways consumers and industries are supporting the environment while addressing our common safety. Today's show is being brought to you by our sponsors, Business and Quality Process Management, LLC, and Secure Components, LLC. Business and Quality Process Management, LLC, provides business process and quality management consulting, training, and software tools. The principles of BQPM lead, uh, led rather, led the development and implementation of the International Hazardous Substance Process Management Certification Program used by more than 4,500 manufacturers to demonstrate their compliance to the European Union's restriction of hazardous substance laws and the International Counterfeit Avoidance Certification Program 
to uh, for manu- well not manufacturers manufacturers and distributors to demonstrate their compliance to anti counterfeiting. To learn more about the work that BQPM does and how they can help your company, visit their website at www.bqpm.com. Secure Components, LLC, is an independent distributor specializing in obsolete and hard-to-find components. Secure Components is the first company in the world to achieve the international certification for their counterfeit detection and mitigation process controls. Their IECQ CAP certification was achieved in accordance with the SAE AS6081 international standard. When you need help to find obsolete or hard-to-find components, you want secure components on your team. To learn more about Secure Components, you can go to visit their website at www.securecomponents.com. As I mentioned, my my guest today, I keep wanting to call him a desk instead of a guest. Dennis, are you out there? (laughs) I'm I'm with you, Stan. I'm glad you are because I'm getting as tongue-tied as ever today for some reason. Must be all that environmental stuff. I got my tongue all dried out in uh, California drought here. So, how are you today, Dennis? Oh, just fine. Uh, enjoying another blue sky, sunshine day in Reno, Nevada. And in um, this being Earth Day, Stan, and thinking about as you know, years of my history over the course of uh, some decades working together. And looking back at what's transpired over the decades since the original Earth Day. And what, uh, how our technology has enabled us to better understand what it is that we're doing to ourselves. And now with the structure that being put into place as far as, for instance, the European Union's restriction of hazardous substances that are allowed to be uh, manufactured into the consumer products that people are using around the world, that's on, on one side of thing. And then there's the whole other overarching environmental considerations that, uh, you know, the, the idea of air pollution and what has been accomplished as far as improvement with the reduction in emissions from automobiles, et cetera, uh, it's a it's a complicated, far-reaching effort to try and stay a step ahead of what all can do us in, I think. It is. Um, let's take a minute before we uh, go too much farther and uh, just kind of remind some of our studio audience knows that you've been a guest on the show before, but others don't. So a little bit of your background. You're the founder of Optimum Enterprises. Uh, an alliance of experts who help client companies achieve better results. And you've been doing that, uh, my records show, about 30 years. Is that about right? Yeah, all right, all right. I've got experience, yes. <laughs> uh, we don't want to say he's old, but uh, he, let's see. You got your master's degree in human resources, and what, what decade was that? <laughs> Uh, that was human resource and organization development. That was in the, that was in the eighties. Oh, was from good. the Uni- University of San Francisco, and I had gone to a lot of school, uh, Stan. And I'll tell you what, that uh, working on that master's degree was the was the best education that I enjoyed out of. I think I altogether I had twenty two years of school. Uh, including, you know, other graduate level stuff and everything. But that uh, studying for that uh, master's with the University of San Francisco was incredibly rewarding. 
and uh, it gave me great insights into why people think and behave the way that they do. And then with my studies of uh, Dr. Deming's teachings, graduated from the Deming Study Group series at San Jose State University, and so the application of the scientific method to figure out processes and what's going on and why things result in the way that they do, and then why people behave when they're trapped in flawed systems and processes, that's really what uh, my guidance has consisted of here over the course of the last decades. And not to mention that you've lived in some very nice places like San Francisco and now Reno, um, live and work in those areas. And as I recall, you're from somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Michigan, a Michigan. great state to visit. Yeah. yeah. So back to our uh, subject at hand, Earth Day and environmental management. Um, you know, as I've talked with folks in preparation for today's show, and I do want to acknowledge to our listening audience before we go any farther, uh, the notices that we sent out uh, actually had another guest on the show with me, Matt Schindel, who uh, called in sick this morning and was not able to join us. So um, Dennis has been kind enough to uh, continue on with me for the show today, and I do appreciate it very much. Back to Earth Day and how industry uses it to make their green programs or to market their green programs. I guess a little bit of discussion. I, As I was going through the records and I was looking at things going on, in fact, when I woke up this morning and was watching uh, the news and television, uh, I noticed a lot of advertisement for turning their logos green. Um, I think Apple is, is on the internet as uh, being green, uh, being um, Earth Day or Earth Week, uh, that they've acknowledged that their Apple is now green instead of white or red. It almost seems like a marketing ploy more than what it started out to be, which was truly a movement to take care of Mother Earth. Yeah, I think that, well, Stan, it's, uh, I don't know how the listeners are aware of the fact that you and I are uh, work together to compose what became the Hazardous Substance Process Management Standard deployed around the world by the International Electrotechnical Commission. And that was back in 19, uh, or rather 2005. Right. And when we were putting our mind to paper and writing that, and talking with some of the major consumer products manufacturers around the world and the whole idea of restriction of hazardous substances and don't allow these toxic materials to be in consumer products that are going to end up in a landfill. And in my discussions with some of the major, and I'm not going to drop names, but some of the major, major consumer product manufacturers, anything with electrical current and electronics in them, they were all very expressive. Oh, yeah, we want to do the right thing. No, oh, no, we're committed. We want to do the right thing. Uh, now, of course, some of what doing the right thing meant to them was to impose that responsibility upon their suppliers. Right. To make sure that their processes were managed so that toxics didn't end up being supplied to them. So I think that there's a basic human nature. Uh, there's a cultural conscience that makes the the corporate bodies want to do the right thing 
but then but then it's a matter of who really takes responsibility for it and and who quarterbacks it and we we saw that in a big way with which nation in this hazardous substance process restriction movement who was really going to play quarterback and so i think that out of the chaos sure enough there is some socialization that finally takes place and things get managed but it's a it's a pretty pretty volatile high risk kind of movement it is and some of the things i've noticed and uh, some of the things that have you know continued to trouble me in a in a sense is that when we talk about environmental management and particularly the term green uh, we tend to be thinking about the electricity or the use of electricity, a little bit about the waste and the recycling, um, not as much about the actual products that we're creating and using and dis- um, discarding, which to me is is a big part of it. Um, you build a house and you walk away from it and leave it to deteriorate. Is is that truly green? Um, you plant plants and then you put uh, chemicals on the ground and you you um, try and grow them and you grow them not organic, if you will. Uh, I mean, just on and on. But again, the the piece that that keeps coming back to me that I really question. And on one hand, I know that corporate uh, corporations worldwide. In fact, in a minute, I'll mention uh, one of the activities that I was doing last week. But corporations worldwide have adopted programs for corporate social responsibility. And part of that is, in fact, the green movement or what's considered the green movement, social responsibility, environmental management, plant another tree, so on and so forth. Um, the rubber hits the road, though, or, or the, the pieces all come together when we do start talking about what's in the chemistry, what's the chemistry of the products that we're buying, how do we know what they are, which does take you and I back to the hazardous substance free uh, and what has now become the counterfeit avoidance uh, programs that were I'm involved in directly and you're still involved in uh, somewhat directly but somewhat indirectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a, it's a, a multi-dimensional puzzle, you know, because actually, Stan, think back to that uh, back in the love, peace, and happiness days, uh, <laughs> Earth Day was Earth Day was really kind of a uh, oh, love nature, uh, you know, don't don't do bad things, right? Uh, and like I suggested before, that our increasing technology has enabled us to understand uh, the the contributing elements that all add up to damage to our ecosystem. And so, as you mentioned before, uh, products with toxic materials in them that end up in a landfill, well, now they're working their way into the water table, and it's hard to, you know, uh, you got to be careful. So, we, we've learned an awful lot, and we've learned the, the complexity of what has to be managed in order to <laughs> maintain a sustainable earth. All right. 
not just out of love, peace, and happiness, but because uh, if we if we don't manage it, then uh, your grandchildren will have a whole lot more to worry about. We definitely definitely do face those uh, those challenges. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've been traveling again, and for those that uh, joined our show last week, they'll know I was in Taiwan. And while I was there, I was meeting with folks and discussing uh, what we're doing and how we're doing it with the HSF Mark Alliance and the Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance programs. And I was asked by uh, the CEO of an organization why, why I'm so involved with this. And while I generally have one or more answers to that question because of things that have caused me to get involved, I started reflecting back on my own life and realized, and this goes back now, uh, this is, goes, goes back to before the 1970s. Uh, my father was in the construction industry, and Dennis, you're aware of this. I think you and I have talked about it before, but mm-hmm. being in the construction industry, he was a plumber for a good period of time and taught me plumbing. And something that that strikes me today that I didn't you know even pay attention to back as a as a young child was one of my jobs was carrying ingots of lead used to put sewer pipes together. Uh, carrying them from the the truck, if you will, or from wherever they were on the in the field, over to the melting pots that he used, uh, propane tanks and melting pots, and then carrying that melted lead to the pipes and pouring it in so that they could be fitted together and so on and so forth. Now, this is back before the 1970s, and we started paying attention to the earth and what we were doing to it. Uh, it was also a time when I can remember carrying the lead, sitting down with my father, having lunch, where I was literally, without washing my hands, uh, going from carrying lead to uh, eating a sandwich. Mm. Uh, potato chips and, and drinking, and that time uh, chocolate milk was, I think, one of the favorites. Don't lick your fingers. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, when you get that salt from the uh, potato chips, how can you help but lick the fingers? Now, again, it's something that uh, came to mind as, as I was being asked once again why I'm involved in this. And when we think about Earth Day, that's the way we used to uh, treat Mother Earth with literally uh, pounds, five-pound ingots of lead all over the place. Mm-hmm. Listen, we need to take a quick break for station identification. Uh, let's pick this up in just a minute when we come back. Folks, uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com 
Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products. Yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat at ecccorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat, S-A-L-O-T, at ecccorp.org. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is Earth Day, How Green Are We? My guest, Dennis Bradley, and I are discussing Earth Day, April 22nd, and that's today's, the date of today's show, uh, coincidental to the show, but nonetheless, I, I take uh, credit for m- matching those up anyway. Um, this marks the anniversary of what many consider the birth of the movement, the modern environmental movement, if you will, in 1970. And as I mentioned earlier, according to Earth Day Network, the idea came from founder Gaylord Nelson, then a U.S. senator from Wisconsin, who after witnessing the ravages of the 1969 massive oil spill in uh, Santa Barbara, California, inspired and was inspired by student uh, anti-war movement that was going on in those days. He realized (laughs) what he might accomplish if he could infuse that same energy into public consciousness about air and water pollution. And uh, as a result of all that, we now have April 22nd as Earth Day and uh, Somewhere around 20 million people, I think, took place uh, in the initial um, demonstrations, if you will, or movement in 1970. Having said that, Dennis, um, 
you know, I was talking about what I was doing back in before 1970. I won't go back to tell you exactly how much before, but it was a while. Um, and we didn't, we really didn't treat Mother Earth the way we do or try to do today. There's a lot more social responsibility going on, at least by discussion. Well, Stan, I, I, I reflect back and remember vividly what was going on. You know, those were called the love, peace, and happiness days, and it was also the Vietnam War overarching uh, considerations and everything that was uh, going on socially and politically. And, um, and, and then at the same time, though, I was trying to think back, not dating myself too much, about the, <laughs> do, not, the do Not Litter campaign and how that was so much a part of my and my peers' upbringing about you, you do not litter. And, and it, even as we anticipating this segment starting now, I was thinking about why was there a lack of sustainability in that value of do not litter? Uh, my one of my uh, athletic friends ever uh, finished up playing tennis a couple of days ago, and we were talking about it. That why people would just throw something on the ground, whether it be plastic or metal or tin or beer can or something else, and what is their conscience telling them <laughs> that somebody has responsibility for cleaning up after them? So the reason that I mention that is that. During uh, when we were writing QC080,000 and talking to major, some of the major corporations around the world, the terminology corporate citizenship had become a real strong buzzword. And corporations were espousing of how they wanted to do the right thing and how they wanted to you know, be environmentally correct. And you, you suggested earlier, is that just part of their marketing plan or is it really conscience-driven? And I... I struggle with the the social values that individuals aren't taking responsibility for whatever they're contributing in a negative way to the lack of preservation of the environment. And now you being involved with the hazardous substance-free product management, and as far as what retailers are putting on their shelves, you suggested that if the consumers become active in holding those retailers accountable, ensuring that no products that aren't hazardous substance-free are ever purchased by the consumers, that could have a great impact on catalyzing the hazardous substance-free movement. Yes. And as I, as I look around... Um, and see what what is happening without really getting people involved. I don't know how you do get this this program as as it's referred to or the thoughts of this. I, I really struggle with how do you really get this to be part of uh, the way people think all the time. It's like you were saying with the do not litter. Uh, I remember that campaign starting. I remember you know, driving down the road and seeing the signs on the side of the road that said, do not litter. I remember television ads that talked about littering, you know, the same way we had uh, 
I forget uh, the bear for the fire uh, safety. <laughs> Smokey the bear. Smokey the bear. Thank you. Uh, those things were part of the way we grew up, and we. I think that was ingrained in us. Um, it, today we we have a movement forward. And it actually started, if we get into a little bit of the detail here, in 2000, and actually in 2000, the Europeans started the recycling of electrical and electronic equipment, uh, known as WEEE, Waste Electric Electronic Equipment. Uh, and the intent was to reduce the amount of landfill uh, that was, or land being filled up with hazardous substance waste from electrical and electronic products. And you have to realize that there's a lot of chemicals in plastic, there's a lot of chemicals in the, the things we buy and use today, and particularly since it, it's almost everything has some sort of electronics in it, the majority of things do. So in 2000, that's when they started that, and then they started the process of the restriction as a substance, which really started taking a solid effect in 2005, 2006. But we never really addressed what do you do with the recycling? How do you really manage that recycling that you're doing? Uh, we've put all kinds of things in place to manage recyclers, but the actual product that comes out of that process is still not clearly defined. Other than if you're recovering gold, obviously you know what to do with the gold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, you know, Stan, Stan, a lot of that, and recognizing that besides going into landfills uh, throughout Europe, uh, the incineration is a major form of disposing of, of you know, waste, of trash. Right. Yes. And so, and heck, with those hazardous substances being incinerated, now you're not only drinking them in your water, you're breathing them. So, That's right. And so. that the ash from that going up into the atmosphere and coming back down in various places, uh, you know, it becomes very light and travels long distances. Yeah, well, back to the, to the say, the behavioral psych side of any of these movements, Stan, during the break we talked about individuals taking personal responsibility, really exercising their self-management skills to ensure that their day-to-day behavior isn't contributing in a negative way uh, to the degradation of Mother Earth. And as far as how to make that more of a shared national conscience or international conscience, I think that does that leadership need to come from our politicians? Is it uh, the corporate leaders that need to get on the pulpit and and start uh, enlightening people and motivating people to act in accord with uh, what can keep us all healthy? You know, who's who's supposed to be playing quarterback in this whole game? That's my question. You know, it it really comes down to, um, and this is an opinion, but it really comes down to you and I. It comes down to every individual um, and reaching that point of saying, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore. And Stan, well, along those lines, tell tell people 
how they can hold uh, retailers and go up the up the food chain there from the retailers to the manufacturers of consumer products. How can they hold them accountable to ensure that only hazardous substance free products with with legitimate parts in them and et cetera? What can the individual individual consumer do to strengthen that accountability? The accountability requires transparency and the transparency that I speak of when I say that I'm really saying that when I go to buy a product I want to know what's in it or maybe better stated I want to know what's not in it uh, and that I want to know that it has a minimum acceptable level of lead or mercury no product is truly free of everything so the reality is when I, when I go to buy something for what is now my grandchildren, uh, I want to know that I'm giving them something that's safe. I don't want to hand them a, a chunk of lead and watch them go through what potentially is a miserable future life uh, for them or their children. So what I want from my retailer is I want to see products that have transparency. That means I just like when I buy a loaf of bread that I can look at it and see how much sugars in it, how much of uh, each type of ingredients, and how much nutrition I get. I want to see the same thing on the products I buy: the cell phones, the uh, flashlights, the the birthday cards. Stop and remember that when you buy anything that has an ink on it, if that ink isn't managed properly, we wind up with, just like we did with some glasses that were bought and sold, plastic glasses at Burger King some years back now, but the ink they used to put the characters on it wound up having cadmium in it. Mm. And cadmium is another, I say it had cadmium, it had an excessive level a level higher than what is acceptable. So the way you do it, in my opinion, you go to your retail outlets and you ask them how do they demonstrate that the products they're selling, how can you know that they are in fact safe, short of taking them out and having them tested. That is what you and I started back in 2005 with the HSPM program, the Hazardous Substance Process Management. And later, uh, 2010, we've started working on the Hazardous Substance Free Mark Alliance with the intent being that every product in the world can be identified as hazardous substance level, its level of hazardous substances, using internet protocols and smartphone readers and being able to walk in, scan a device, or scan a code rather, on, on a package and be able to see exactly what's in it. Just like you would look at a loaf of bread, we don't want to go to the point of forcing manufacturers to physically have to put information on the box because that becomes expensive and the print gets to be so fine you can't read it. <laughs> Uh, particularly with chemicals used in products. There's a lot of chemicals in every product. So the the approach is an Internet-based program where you can scan a code and you can see what's in it. And it becomes 
a tool that retailers can use without cost. Uh, it actually would reduce their cost because to achieve that approach, to, re to achieve that level of uh, compliance, the supply chain itself becomes certified, it has annual surveillance, and it's a check and balance. Just like the old days of a checkbook where you had to put down what check you wrote and what your balance was. Well, Stan, let, let me ask you, in terms of uh, how, as far as the listeners, I'm sure that this is not the first time that they've heard about the HSF mark. Uh, how far along is that in terms of being really something that people can reference with a glance as they walk through any of the major big box stores or anything like that? That's an excellent question, uh, Dennis, and one that uh, I wished I had a better answer for than the one I have to give you, and that is we have a lot of interest. Again, we have 4, 000, more than 4,500 companies worldwide that meet the requirements to post online their information. No, Stan, can I clarify that more than 4,000 companies, are those companies that have been audited and passed the audit and received the IECQ Hazardous Substance Process Management Certification? That's correct. Okay. These, so are, now, these are companies that we know that, that have gone through all the setup and all the steps necessary to demonstrate that they are doing what they say. It's not just a discussion. It's not right. something they want to do. It's something they are doing. And that they comply with the requirements that we wrote back in, uh, in 2005. Right. Now, now then, so uh, that's, that's great for managing the supply chain. And that, that's something that uh, each one of those more than 4,000 companies can brag about, that they're doing the right thing. But now, as far as the consumer playing a part in imposing accountability, the, it needs, needs to be made easy for the consumer at a glance in their decision-making if they're going to buy this off the shelf or they're going to buy that that choice off the shelf if there's a hazardous substance-free mark on it or not. And are, are we That's getting anywhere close to that? Not, not today. Uh, we're getting close in the sense that we have a number of large corporations and some very uh, well-known corporations here in the U.S. and abroad who are keenly aware of what we're doing and like what we're doing, but the bottom line for them is, since nobody's demanding it, they're not doing it. The, without consumers demanding from their retail outlets that they have that knowledge provided, uh, that's the stumbling block we face today. Mm -hmm. Last week, I was, like I said, last week I was in Taiwan. I met with a new group that's just forming, and it's made up of 15 uh, Fortune 100 companies. The new group is a uh, consortium of green-minded people, green-minded companies, and they're all about bringing together corporate social responsibility from the Asian community to the world. The bottom line with the discussion, and I was talking to an executive VP uh, and the chairman of this gr new group, and his point was there's still no demand by consumers 
or by retail stores to have the information available to them. Uh, they want to go inspect it. The consumers, the uh, retailers rather, uh, do insist on having inspections in that, but not transparency to the consumer. Dennis, uh, it's time for a break. Uh, let's let's um, let's talk about this some more when we get back. Uh, we're going to take a short break, folks. Uh, please stay with us, and uh, we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products. Yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat.com at ECCCorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat, S-A-L-O-T, at ECCCorp.org. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is Earth Day, How Green Are We? My guests, Dennis Bradley, and I have been discussing the uh, activities of Earth Day, the corporate social responsibility. Uh, What does that mean to us, and how can we move that to the next level? Uh, We talked a bit about uh, the origins of of Earth Day, uh, starting back in the 1970s and the fantastic movement that started actually April 22nd, uh, 1970. 
with 20 million Americans taking to the streets, the parks, auditoriums to demonstrate a, a, a strong desire for a healthy, sustainable environment. Uh, Dennis and I were just talking before the break about what you can do as, as a consumer, what we can do as a nation, what we can do as people to bring together yet another level of this movement and to try and move the, uh, if you will, the Earth Day and, and green marketing to a better reality for all of us. And that is products that we have confidence are truly made from uh, uh, hazardous substance-free materials, uh, products that aren't counterfeit. And part of our work that we do, part of the work that I do, I, I do continue to travel around the world, uh, working with manufacturers, working with government officials to bring, bring about a better understanding of uh, what is required to actually have a sustainable environment, reduce the hazardous substances uh, from products that we use every day, and in hopes of reducing the effects of lead, which can cause autism, uh, Asperger's, and other such ailments, uh, as well as the cancers that are known to result from cadmium, uh, hexylvania chromate, and such. Uh, Dennis, uh, once again, I'm back with you here. We were talking about what what can people do, and um, your thoughts on that. Well, we at the end of the last segment, we were talking about the HSF mark, the hazardous substance-free mark, that could be put on products, and when they're on the shelf in the retailers, the big box store, or something else, enabling a consumer at a glance to make the right choice and buy a product that has been tested, has been examined, and there's evidence that the product doesn't have any of the hazardous substances that you mentioned, the lead, mercury, cadmium, hexavalent, chromium, or particular fire retardants that have been been banned, etc. And so I'm thinking about how to ignite the masses as far as the values of they demand that they would demand to have only hazardous substance free products and they all of us would hold retailers and the producers in in effect responsible for ensuring that the products are hazardous substance free now i'm thinking okay do we need celebrities to uh, who gets the most attention? Do politicians? Do celebrities? If a celebrity uh, took this on and said, "I am going to get all my fans to buy into uh, the hazardous substance-free movement," would that do it? Uh, now, at the same time, you mentioned counterfeit products, and I know that you're talking about the fact that all in all, businesses around the world are complying with the hazardous substance process management requirements. But then there are those that in the underworld that are producing products that aren't. They're producing components and contributing materials that are not compliant with the uh, restriction requirements. Can you share something with the listeners as far as what's going on in terms of 
the trying to manage the counterfeit world? Yes, I can. Um, your question actually draws on some work that I've been doing that I, I want to. Uh, I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to go do something else here just to kind of draw things to a close for today's show. But the reality is, and we know this for a fact, that there are people out there that are making what are considered knockoff or copies of uh, known brands. And one of them that comes to mind is the Disney Cars brand. Uh, the movie Cars came out with a lot of uh, things that children love to have. One of them was a watch. Uh, they sell these watches for 5 to $10. Uh, normally, if you buy it from Disney, you'd have a, a high-quality device, a high-quality watch in this case, that was hazardous substance-free because Disney's very much engaged with making sure that their products are safe. Uh, but the the counterfeiters make them out of the cheapest thing possible, and in this case, they have excessive lead and cadmium in the inks used in the plastics uh, that are the band that go with the watch. And unfortunately, these are sold in tourist environments. We happen, I happen to buy the ones that we had tested uh, down on Canal Street in New York, and and that propagates way out there. We've had other shows where we talked about. Unfortunately, the reality is that counterfeiting is becoming the crime or the, the business of choice for terrorists and or for feeding the terrorist movements uh, financially, supporting terrorist movements and organized crime, uh, second only to drugs and human trafficking. And this is documented. There's plenty of evidence on it. I, I want to read something. I, a colleague that I've been talking to that will eventually be a, a guest on our show uh, gave me some thoughts. And I want to read, Dennis, I want to read you a couple of things. And we don't have the time to go into them today, but let me read you uh, two or three lines that he sent me. Sure. So I, I think this is mine. Uh, it, it's, it's, it really brings it home. First one was, what if we told you there was a serious and rapidly emerging health hazard that is going to make some children and grandchildren, perhaps yours, seriously ill or kill them? And then told you there was something you could do, easily do, to reduce or prevent the chances of this happening. Would you be interested? <laughs> What? That's a, that's a no-brainer, huh? <laughs> it certainly seems that way. And what if we told you there was something you could easily do that would save the country billions of dollars and scores of lives each year? Would you be interested? And what if we, told, we also told you there was something you could easily do that would cut down on terrorism in the United States and worldwide. Something that would make not only your airline flights, but using elevators and driving your own car much safer. Would you be interested? Then what if we told you protecting ourselves from a dangerous health hazard, saving the country billions of dollars, and cutting down on terrorism 
were all directly related. Not only that, not only that, but you need to reduce all of these threats and dangers involved involves let's see, but all you need let me let me start that not well, <laughs> I got myself really tongue tied here. Let me try this again. I think you need the large print version, so. yeah, I probably do it's It's getting to that point in my life. Then, what if we told you protecting ourselves from a dangerous health hazard, saving the country billions of dollars? Cutting down on terrorism were all directly related. Not only that, but all you need to do to reduce all of these threats, dangers, involves a relatively simple solution. That simple solution is demanding that your suppliers, your retailers, the places we buy our products are clearly identified with the content of the chemicals in them. And that's what the HSF Mark Alliance is all about. It's a worldwide movement to make that a reality, to make it very clear. And whenever you buy something, it's kind of like the car facts. If you can't get the facts about what's in the product, you don't want to buy it. Does that, does that help us? I think that uh, with all the listeners that can hearken back and say, we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. And uh, hold hold them all accountable. Hold the producers accountable. It's really, yes, it is holding the producers accountable. And there's, there's still, I mean, there's, we've got 4,500 plus, but there's millions of producers. There's over 140 million products in the world. So we've got a good ways to go. But it starts by us telling our, our retailers, the stores that we go to, literally the big box and the small box stores, uh, that we really want to have transparency in what's in these products. And it's not just a green label. It's not just changing the color of the logo this week because it's Earth Week. It's really about transparency and us being able to know what's in those products. Dennis, I hate to say it, but we are uh, well past uh, our time here. I've got a little bit of housekeeping to do. I want to thank you very much for being a guest on the show today. You're welcome, Stan. Glad to be here. I really appreciate it, and obviously I I hope to get you back on again, maybe next time with a little more notice, but... um, we are we are rapidly coming to the end of our show. Uh, thank Dennis for his uh, being on the show today. I'd like to remind folks that our sponsors are Business and Quality Process Management, LLC, and Secure Components, LLC. If you need some support from either of those companies, their websites are listed on my website, stansalot.com. You can find us there. Uh, you can find our, our sponsors there. I also want to take just a minute and uh, recognize our supporting staff for the, all the work they do to bring the show to us every week, and the show to you every week. Brandy Jackson, General Manager of Voice America. Uh, Robert Ch- uh, Cellino, my executive producer. Randy Jackman, pro- Production Manager. 
Jeffrey Gilst, our Director of Host Services, Brooke Ida, Marketing and Social Media, Yulia Coach, Branding, uh, Coach Branding and People to People Production Manager. Thank you for tuning in to People to People, Working Together for Your Safety. Remember, change only happens when people come together and work together. Your help in the fight against the effects of hazardous substances and counterfeiting of consumer products could save a life. I'm your host, Stan Salat, wishing you a safe and healthy life. Thank you for listening. Please join host Stan Salat Jr. for next week's edition of People to People, Working for Your Safety. We'll have another show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a safe, toxic, and counterfeit-free week. Music.